Hey, welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson, alongside Dr. R.B. Maynard, verse by verse, getting into the Word today. Uh, we just exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Um, and we're back at it. Dr. R.B., how are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I had a person reach out to me the other day and say, like, are you doing the Grace Point Daily anymore? And so I sent a bunch of text messages Mm-hmm. making excuses, being like, listen, I have to preach like three times a week and uh-huh. then I make five videos a week and then I do, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, you don't need to explain. I was just asking. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but I feel bad because it's, Hey man, again, mad love, crazy respect to YouTubers, to content, content creators, to influencers. Cause when you dabble into this stuff, it is, it can be time consuming. Oh, I know people think you just Sit down here, push yeah. the button, and go. There's a little preparation for some yeah. of these things. A little pre, little post, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I am getting ready to do a little project I'm calling the I Will Finish Mission. I, I Will Finish Missions Project. That is riding my bike 240 miles across the great state of Missouri on the Katy Trail, which is a rail trail state park. So I'm I'm getting hyped up. I'm getting ready to go for that, Dr. R.B. Maynard. I can't wait to see you afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm hyped. I am Again, I, this is going to be an upcoming Wake Up Grace Point. Uh, we're talking about where I was reading Proverbs the other day. It talked about um, is, is your faith, oh, what does it say? It's Proverbs 24. Basically, uh, in times of adversity, you've shown your faith to be mm-hmm. weak. Basically saying when we go through adversity, that uh, right. w- what comes out of the adversity is, w- you know, you don't have weak faith in adversity the, the adversity showed your weak faith, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Am I making sense? So right. it's like, yes. it's not that the adversity gave you weak faith. It's just that the adversity revealed that you have a weak faith. Mm-hmm. And so I talked about the aspect of training. So it was like, as I get ready for this, I'm training so that, you know, right. our spiritual life were Proverbs. It's saying, apply your heart to wisdom, training, apply, seek. Mm-hmm. So you're doing all these things so that when you get to those moments, then the manifestation, hopefully, and those right. moments is good wisdom, godly wisdom. So all my training is supposed to be. So when I get to o- October 8th, I slap the tires down on that trail. I just start going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't just, uh, it's, it's like everything else. You can't just get on the bike and say, I'm going to ride 240 miles when you haven't ever ridden the bike before. Yeah. So. Unless you have one of those Poser e-bikes. Yeah, are, there you go. That are out there here and mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. uh, Greg Walden has a new nickname. He is a part of our church and part of the Modern Christian Dudes podcast. He has a new nickname. His new nickname is, well, it's Funko Pop Greg Walden, a.k.a. I used to be a mountain biker, Greg Walden. So <laughs> that's his new nickname he's been down because yeah. he doesn't ride anymore, so he'd be one of those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got kicked off the, the ride because we talked about it, and I said, if you can't go this fast mm-hmm. in this amount of time and this many miles, you can't ride. So If you can't run with the big dogs, <laughs> get off the porch. That's right. Well, yeah. verse by verse, we get into the word. We're in Second Kings. It's been a little while, so thank you to that individual that sent me a message. I'm glad that you do listen. Listen and like it, and, and you want more of it. So here we go. Okay, here we go. Second Kings 4, 12 and 13, and, and just backing up on the story a little bit, this is um, the Shunammite woman that we've heard about, talking about the oil and the different things, and she's built a room uh, on her roof for uh, Elisha, so she's trying to take care of the man of God. you got all these activities going on, and then it says in verse 12, Uh, He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Uh, Kind of a 
strange uh, response, but uh, Elisha, we don't know why, he doesn't directly speak to her. He speaks to Gehazi to say something to her. Uh, part of that, you know, we don't understand all the culture of how things how things were back then, the respect and the honor and the things that they did to show respect. It's kind of a word that's missing in today's culture mm-hmm. is honor and respect. Um, it's amazing to me about, you know, whether you like the president or not, this one or the past one or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see people driving down the street and yard signs that are – vulgar right against yeah. joe biden and it's like you know what can you not show a little respect for the neighbors who don't agree or for the office of the president you know i don't have to like him but you know uh, there's an extent to that and so back then there was a certain mm-hmm. things that people did so this women and men uh, didn't normally just get together and have conversations because it was inappropriate you know at the time so anyway he has gehazi Kind of speaking for him, but and and she's really she says, uh, I have a home among my own people. In other words, I don't really need anything. You know, you're I, I get it that you want to do something for me, but I don't really need anything. You know, I have family, I'm respected, no one would hurt me, people would come to my aid, I don't need to go anywhere. If I needed to go anywhere, someone would take me. I mean, all those things, it's like, um, people. I know we've done things for uh, Dorothy Cowan, but she also has family. Yep. And and I look at that sometimes, whether or not somebody has anyone in their family that can help them or whether they're all alone, you know, and, and need all kinds of assistance. And so, uh, you know, that's basically all she's saying here is, hey, I don't really need anything. But in verse 14, 14 15, 16, it says, what can be done for her, Elisha asked Gehazi, or asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. Um, this is, it's kind of one of those scenarios, what, um, what do you buy somebody who has everything? I mean, that's kind of what she said up to this point. Gift card? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gift cards, yeah. They don't have any gift cards back then. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I don't know whether it was her. It was probably because she mentions my husband is old, uh, probably beyond um, the childbearing time or, or able to, to produce a child, I guess. But uh, this is similar to the Abraham and Sarah story. We hear these stories in the Bible, and it's a – it was considered a uh, curse to not be able to have a child. Mm-hmm. So Elisha, even though, you know, she's probably not going to ask for that because that seems impossible. And and I think that's probably a little lesson for us in, in this sense is, oh, no, I've, I don't need anything. From, I've got everything I need from God. And it's like, well, you know, you don't have a son. or Well, yeah, but, you know, that's uh, God's not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's... That's too much to ask, I think, sometimes is, is our response to prayer. Uh, even uh, I respect people who continue to come to the altar for prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, different, you know, for the same thing, in other right. words, yeah. over and over. And people say, well, you know, how many times are you going to, well, you know, I'm just going to 
keep asking. I'm just going to keep pushing through. But anyway, she's given up on that dream, in other words. Um, and she's like, no, my Lord. It wasn't that she didn't want a child, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like, um, you know, don't make promises you can't keep. I mean, and we've all probably said that at some time. You know, there are people, well, <laughs> within the church, I've seen it, you've seen it. There are people who say, you are my pastor. I love you. Mm-hmm. I would never <laughs> I would never leave you. Yeah. I would never leave the church. And then almost, and we've talked about it, almost in the next breath, they're, they're gone or they've been <coughs> very disrespectful or whatever the case may be. So, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that one choked you up there. So that must have been really good. Uh, LMA, don't ever lie to me. Okay, no. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 417, but she the woman, <laughs> she wouldn't. <clears throat> she's she's the saint of, I'm second in sainthood. That's right. But, <laughs> but the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. So, you know, this is that test of the prophet. We say it over and over again. Uh, did it come true? And that's the point here. Yes, about that time, I mean, again, we know... <clears throat> Nine months or so, it came true. But uh, King James says, according to the time of life. In other words, uh, this is according to the time that you would normally have a baby. And I just, I looked up because it doesn't give us, uh, you know, Abraham and Sarah, it did give us that um, word. Uh, It did give us the promise, all of those things. And it told us how old they were. But in this case, it doesn't give us an age. But I just looked up, uh, sometimes I'm curious about these things. The oldest woman to ever have a baby was 66 years old, almost 67 years old, and she had twins. And, uh, well, there was two different ones. One of them was 66, the other one was 74. So 74 years old, a woman had a baby or had a set of twins, which is, so Rachel, you know, they're still... You know, you were young when you had yeah. the twins. We can still have some more children. Not we, but, right? you know, you can I'm, still have children. I'm totally game for it. I feel like my life is already ruined anyway. Well, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, all my self selfish pleasures are out the window. So mm-hmm. let's keep them coming, Pastor yep. Rachel. You might as well just have some more. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you know, you've done a really good job of raising the ones that you That's have. Right. So why not just mm-hmm. keep that up? <laughs> um She's she's not going to want to, I don't see an amen coming through from her. Yeah, come on, Pastor Angel. What's the deal? Anyway, 418 and 19. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. And nobody, and again, doesn't give us the age. I don't know where sometimes people, the commentaries or whatever come up with age, but they think maybe six or seven years old. He's a, he's small enough to still be held in their arms, you know, and carried and by one person, whatever. Um, it doesn't tell us what happened. I mean, if it was suddenly a, a headache, you know, somebody said they thought maybe a heat stroke, but normally children are not, you know, subject to that. You know, mm-hmm. they can tolerate more than adults do so anyway we don't know whether he had a probably with a 
sudden headache and and death that's coming, uh, probably some kind of bleed in his brain. I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it says um, in twenty, after the servant had lifted him lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And this is, you know, I I've thought many times about the tragedy of of losing a child. And I I mean I know any death in our life, our spouse, our parents, our brothers, sisters, those things that happen, I mean they're all tragic. Mm-hmm. But I cannot imagine. I I have a a friend of mine who actually backed over his son. Wow. With a tra- he had a trailer and he backed over his son in the driveway. I think I think he was four years old, something like that. Didn't know, you know, I mean, he didn't know he was out there mm-hmm. and backed over. I mean, can you imagine the the tragedy of that, of just losing a child? Right. But then the fact that you are the one, and wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Stephen Curtis Chapman that his, yes. yeah. his son. one son backed over the <clears throat> yeah. other? The, the daughter. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, I can't imagine the that kind of tragedy. And in this case, again, there's no call an ambulance, you know, mm-hmm. my son's down, carry him to the emergency room or or whatever. And and to die, I mean, sitting in his arms, it, it had to be some kind, or in her arms, had to be some kind of a, like a slow bleed or something in his brain that would, you know, that, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know what time of the day it was, but said at noon uh, is when he, uh, when he died. And, and the thing, you know, we can say things like, well, why would you, and that's, that is what's going to happen, but why would you give me a son and then let him die at a young age? But, you know, God's promises sometimes are not for um, eternity. I mean, mm-hmm. his promises sometimes, I'm going to give you a son, but he doesn't say I'm going to give you a son. He's going to, you know, uh, outlive you. You'll die when you're... 80 and he'll die when he's 90 and right yep. uh, you know he doesn't give us it's i suppose the same uh, principle would be for um uh, marriage you know you found this woman you found this man you guys fell in love you've been in love your whole life and you knew that they were the one and then they're gone mm-hmm. and you, you know some people would say well god why did you even give me that wife or that son or whatever the case may, and then take them away from me. I mean, it Mm -hmm. seems, you know, to people who really don't believe, they would say, God is cruel. Right, yeah. That he would, (laughs) you know, give her a a son in old age, and then now he dies in her her arms. But, you know, none of us have a guarantee. When When God promises things, you know, God sent you here, I believe, with all my heart. God sent you to this church. Thank you, You sir. believe that. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, this church believes that. And so, but that does not mean you're going to be here forever. Right. I mean, you are, that's your plan, unless God speaks. I, th- I thought I, mean, I was going to have to move to Arkansas last week, but yeah. I came back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was afraid you <laughs> Like, wait, spend... Lord, is this a sign I'm stuck in Arkansas? <laughs> you might spend too much no, time and not yeah. remember where you you know, yep. where you went or exactly where you came though. from. But but anyway, uh, you know, these promises that God makes sometimes, it's like instead of, for most of us, instead of being thankful that we had that child for 
mm-hmm. in this case, maybe six or seven years and the joy that they brought or whatever, our grievance against God is that they didn't allow him to live a long, yeah. full life. And so, uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about that the other day, even being a 42 year old man, thinking about people that died at, you know, age 16, mm-hmm. 25, 21, right. 32, e- even ones that are Christians, you know, to be right. like, man, right. Lord, I've got to, I mean, I, again, I'm not wanting to, well, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not planning on, I shouldn't say that mm-hmm. I'm not planning on dying tomorrow, right? but should I, I, you know, I've got to live a very mm-hmm. good, very good life. I've got to right. see many places in the world. And so what could I complain about? So the day, the goal now is to wake up every day and be obedient and follow yeah. the Lord. Well, the only, the only issue that I have about, um, that would keep me from wanting to die as, as far as, you know, I mean, we all know that, man, I can't wait to see what heaven's like. I mean, yeah. I, I say that, but you know, I don't want the the grieving and the heartache when somebody leaves. There's mm-hmm. there's heartache, yes. you know, and so so there's a there is a mixed emotion there. I I keep saying I just want us all to go together, and then <laughs> that eliminates all of that yep. emotion and heartache. But um, but anyway, after he dies, so she's he dies in her arms, and then it says in twenty one, she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. So this is. Um, a strange response, really, to this. I mean, most people, and you have to admire her because she believes at that moment, even with death, I mean, she watched him die in her arms, but she still has faith that this is not the end. And I heard, I've said it before, but I don't know if it was that Reinhard Bonnke that was so, um, saw so many people raised from the dead. And somebody asked him one time why, why we don't see more of that, like in the United States, because he was I don't know, was he India or I can't he remember. Were, where. It was Africa. I'm trying to think. There yeah. was a uh, I, uh, there was a primary country that was in yeah. Africa, but I forget now. But anyway, wherever he was, yeah, um, he they saw a lot of people raised from the dead. But the question was, why don't we see that in America? And his response was because we bury people too quick, you know. We, as soon as they die, call the funeral home, get them to the, or call the, yeah, the funeral home, get them there, and then um, embalm them and get them prepared for the family to come look at them. We don't, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not very, um, I guess, faithful or whatever to pray that the dead would be raised. I guess I'm kind of like this woman having a son. I'm like, well, that's pretty big. You know, I've never seen that happen, so, you know, that's kind of hard for me to believe or to ask for. But, uh, you know, we always say, it's never over till it's over. Well, but most of us say it's over as soon as they take their last breath, then, yeah. you know, Whoa, it's, I'm, try- it's I'm just ra- trying to randomly look. Like, Reinhard Bonnke started preaching in Lesotho. Oh, really? Oh, man, how our hearts are already connected mm-hmm. in Reinhard Bonnke. So. Hmm. I, I didn't know, know where it was, but now, he's passed away, hadn't he? Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that either. He, he's yeah. uh, passed away. So, but um, but anyway, uh, you know, she doesn't call the doctor. She doesn't. I mean, she takes him up. She lays him on the bed of the man of God. She probably had heard because this is not, um, you know, she probably heard what Elijah had done because he had raised someone from the dead, and now Elisha follows. She realizes that this is a a possibility, and uh, you know, calling the doctor was not the first response. 
And again, for us, and I mean, I've been to the doctor, I've had shoulder surgery, I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've done things. And did I call on the name of the Lord first? Yes, I did. You know, I yeah. didn't want to have <laughs> shoulder surgery. I wanted God to heal me. I asked for that before I, you know, jump. But there's a lot of people that their very first response with illness or injury is to to get to the doctor, hmm. to get to the emergency room. And it's not about uh, prayer. But um, there was uh, there was one one of the uh, commentaries, and I, I didn't even write down which one it was, but but it's like putting words into her mouth or what she may have thought. And it says, May the merit of this room and all the hospitality we have shown protect this child and bring him back to life. For how can a deed performed with such sincerity be repaid with such sorrow? I mean, she is looking at, and we've talked about it a lot in here with uh, location, you know, being important for... you know, even having church, I, I think the location of being there is is important to me. Some people, that's not important. Uh, you know, you have whether it's on the on the bike trail, you know, praying, worshiping, mm-hmm. or whether it's here in your office studying. I mean, where those things are. But she, but she looked at that. There was something about hey, there's a holiness in this man and a holiness in the room that he stays. I want to lay him on the bed i want to lay my child on the bed of where the man of god laid like mm-hmm. we know there's not something supernatural about right. the bed yeah. the bed's not going to heal but i do believe in that i believe that there are uh you know a lot of people have um they have bibles that maybe their pastor had or their mom had and they know that she there might be tear stains on that Bible where she prayed for her kids and her grandkids mm-hmm. and, and things are marked. And, you know, well, that means something to somebody. It's not the page on there that's, uh, that yeah. has something holy that's going to heal or whatever, but there's something about reading that, holding that in your hand that you know the man of God. I mean, wouldn't you like to have something sitting over here on your shelf that, that you knew Jesus touched? Yeah. I mean, yep. That he held in his hand. And so... Uh, you know, so for her, this is, you know, she's looking at how can such a thing that, that we did here, not patting herself on the back necessarily, but we did a good thing trying to provide for the man of God. Mm-hmm. And now such sincerity has been repaid with sorrow, in other words. And those are not, so if you're looking, trying to look for that scripture, that's not a scripture. That's just a commentator's perspective, I guess, on what may have uh, what may have happened. And so, uh, you know, I have, and we've joked about it before, but I have a, a pulpit in my classroom, which is, it's outdated. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't have pulpits, like not much anymore. Some of right. the older uh, churches and, but I have a pulpit that um, brother Moore. Uh, it's going to come back around. It's going to come uh, back. Around. James Perkins <laughs> father-in-law preached at that pulpit and, James Perkins preached at that pulpit. I mean, I know that I'm not going to touch that pulpit and get some magical inspiration, mm-hmm. but just to me, mm-hmm. that means something to to be able to stand behind the pulpit of of great men. It means something to me, and I know, uh, you know, sometimes it seems like people take things lightly, but if I speak in the church, 
to stand on the platform of the church and be able to speak. I mean, it's very humbling. Yeah. I mean, I realize yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not the pastor. I haven't, you know, uh, paid the price of being a pastor. I haven't paid the price of of Bible school and all the things that it's taken for you to get to where you are today. I haven't paid all that price to do that. It's very humbling when I stand there. I feel honored to stand behind the pulpit. It's not, in in this case, it's not the physical pulpit that Brother Henson stood behind. It's not the physical pulpit that uh, Brother Graham mm-hmm. or Brother Perkins, as far as the church pulpit, it's not the one you or that they stood behind, but to stand on that platform or behind any kind of a pulpit there, I still recognize, man, there are how many, not just, I can say Brother Graham, Brother Henson, you, I can look at those things and say (laughs) those great men, but think about all the great missionaries. Yeah, evangelists. Yeah, that have stood. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that have stood behind that pulpit. I mean, even for you. Mm-hmm. to think about all those yeah. great men that yes. you're in the company of those great men. It, it, it does something for me. It's not, yeah. if anybody thinks I'm have pride to be able to stand up there, uh, it's not pride. It's great humility that allows me yeah. to stand behind a pulpit in my Sunday school class, in my, um, in the church building itself, the sanctuary. Um, anyway, uh, it's, but she says, uh, she goes on then. Um, uh, she didn't want to tell anybody. I mean, it's like, okay, I, I'm just going to put him in the room. I'm not going to tell anybody he's gone. Uh, you know, delaying bad news. In other words, I'm not going to say he's dead till he's dead, till mm-hmm. there's no chance for uh, survival here. 4.22 and 23, she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. Uh, It's all right, she said. So he's like, what What do you need to go there? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. Um, The new moon would have been once a month. The The Sabbath, of course, once a week. It's not any of those days, so there's no special occasion for you to go there. Um, it would, you know, in our culture, I guess it would be uh, somewhat like, uh, you know, your wife comes to you, Rachel comes and says, um, Pastor, I need to, I need to go. Does she call you Pastor? No, she does not. She Nor does, does not. she call you Dr. R.B. Maynard. I, I Have you know. noticed that? I noticed that all with the time. Her? What is wrong Who with is her? Who is this brick you talk of? Yeah. Offensive. Yeah. No respect. <laughs> We're just like Roger. Just because she runs the Grace Point School of Ministry, you know. I know. I know. Well, you know, president. She now I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna tell you something here <laughs> that you probably didn't know. I established that. Yeah, we were already. That was me. Yeah. So don't be given. We had to re, we had to reapply though. So yeah. no. <laughs> don't be giving her too much credit. I mean, I need to. If I hadn't had shoulder surgery, I'd pat myself <laughs> on the back, but I can't reach. So, um, but. Uh, you know, he's got to be suspicious. It'd be like her coming to you and saying, uh, I need to go to uh, Michigan this weekend. And you're like, uh, for what? <laughs> I mean, well, yep. you know, I I just need to go. And you're like, but, I mean, that'd be a little hard to, you know. Now, I'm sure if she said, I can't tell you right now, but the Lord is speaking to me about going, and I'll tell you when I get back what has happened, but, it's a little hard to, you know, we have yeah. to put the husband here, what he's 
thinking too. We forget about the other <laughs> yeah, side yeah, of, yep. of the stories. And then it's like, well, um, okay, so we brought your son to you today. Where's he? I mean, because it doesn't say that she filled him in on anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, she took him up and laid him uh, in the bed. So uh, it's the the custom of the day or the restrictions of the day it said to visit your teacher every new moon and Sabbath. So uh, Elisha, whether they were considered uh, students of his, but if you had been a student of someone, if you were within a short enough distance. So whoever your uh, mentor was, uh, if you were, if he lived here in Carthage, then in that time you would be uh, required. I mean, it's not like somebody's going to, rest you if you don't but you would be required to go see him you know once a week okay. for advice or whatever the case may be so i don't know whether he's uh, whether she's really considered a student because she's not necessarily in the school of prophets or uh whatever but you know it's it's a little bit again like the church you know we have put those things not because it's a great thing but we've limited ourselves by well, I'm only going to go to church when it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to go to church uh, once a month or once a year or twice a year, Christmas and Easter. You know, we begin to, to limit ourselves, and that's part of what they had back then, but it was, it was not limiting. It was reaching out. You should go do this more than uh, just occasionally seeing someone. And so uh, the importance of, of doing that, she saddled the donkey, 24 through 26, saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead me or lead on, don't show, back up, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out, came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to the servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite, run to meet her and ask, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. Well, she said that to Gehazi. She doesn't want to talk to Gehazi. She wants to talk to Elisha. Uh, she doesn't believe that, um, you know, that Gehazi has any power to yeah. heal or whatever. And um, she probably knows that he's going to be there. It's a school of the prophets. She knows where he's going to be. Um, she hasn't told her husband. There's nothing he could do. She hasn't told Gehazi about the boy because there's nothing he can do. Uh, she wants the source, and I, I couldn't help thinking. I, I watch a show called The Middle, and uh, there's a there was an episode where uh, he says um, the guy's had a broken hip, and that's his brother or his dad has had a broken hip, and the son comes and he says, "I didn't even know you had a broken hip. Why didn't you tell me?" And the dad says, well, "Can you fix broken hips?" Like, mm-hmm, right. you know, what, what <laughs> yeah. can you do? About, and then his brother, his house burns down, and he's like, you, why didn't you tell me your house burned down? Well, are you a fireman? You know, could you have done anything mm-hmm. about that? And so it's kind of that same principle here. Yeah. Well, I'm not telling Gehazi. I need to go to the man of God and make sure that um, that I go to the whatever the source of of. Uh, he's seen this before. He's participated in this before. She probably doesn't give maybe Gehazi the respect that he should have in the sense that uh, maybe he can do something or 
would you talk to Elisha on my behalf or whatever the case may be. Again, we don't know all the circumstances, but mm-hmm. uh, but she wants to go to the person. I've said it before. I <laughs> I don't ask people to pray for me, and you've said this before, and it, I know it got it got twisted and misunderstood. Oh, but I'm not going <laughs> to ask people who to pray for me who don't pray. I mean, right? I, I'm not gonna, uh, and I'm not gonna say to people, "I'll be praying for you," if I'm not gonna carry through with that. And so for her, she wants to go to to Elisha, the man she knows will do what you know, what he said, he's a man of God, he will pray. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain people, you know, I believe that you pray, and so if I have a need in my life, I'm going to ask you to pray. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that Pastor Rachel, uh, there's been a few times that something has come up, and, and uh, Stella or I have just texted and said, would you, you know, would you mm-hmm. pray? I don't know it as a fact, but I believe she probably stops what she's doing and and prays. Now, I don't I don't know. I'm not there. But whether she stops right then and does it, I believe that she will pray, or I wouldn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, there are people in my life that that you can trust that when you say uh, pray for me, you know beyond a doubt that they will follow through with that. And so that's all this is here. It's not about disrespect, but it's like. I just want to get to, it's kind of the, the woman with the issue of blood. I just need to get to him. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't want to get to the disciples. I don't want to get to the, uh, the priest. I want to get to Jesus. And if I can mm-hmm. just touch him, yep. you know, I believe I'll be healed. So it's the same scenario here. And we all need, if, if you don't have those people in your life, you need to find those people. You yes. need to be in a church where, uh, you can get to know people and know that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I believe there are people, Ron Blaveld, and, and people that if I called them and said, can you pray about this, I know that that they're going to pray. Mm-hmm. And I know their prayers are are answered. They get their prayers answered yeah, <laughs> because I've seen it in their life. And so, anyway, we'll wind up there today. Call it good. Yeah, amen. So God does miracles. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm trying. I don't want to add anything else. Yep. do that necessarily. But, uh, you know, I, I just think as you're sharing there with our daughter, Gabrielle, I remember we, you know, we, when she was going through a, a physical issue very mm-hmm. early on in her life, like we thought of everyone, we knew that prayer, you know, right. 700 club, you know, individual ministers, right. like right. we want to, we want to ask everyone we know that prays to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought everyone, okay, what's a prayer based person, right. Right. group, you know, church, mm-hmm. ministry, and, and those are valuable and good things to have in your life. So right. there you go. Back at it, verse by verse, Dr. R.B. Maynard. Uh, it's all on me for not not getting uh, to it soon enough, but uh, we'll keep pumping them out. So we appreciate you guys. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.